When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. This is the Blue White Breakdown. The premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown. Brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. All right, Penn State fans, you know what week it is. It's Land Grant Trophy Week. Penn State, Michigan State, Saturday in East Lansing. But we're going to talk about that later in the week. It's happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Uh, we're going to do another podcast, Bob Flounders with Dave Jones. But we're going to talk about James Franklin's Tuesday news conference, and we're going to talk about, you know, he had kind of hinted, Dave, on Saturday that he might have some news for us about his, you know, where he's going to be in 2022. But it turns out, uh, and we can explain why, but I mean, it just turns out that we, we really don't have an update on that, but we do have some thoughts about what he's trying to do you know, with, with what's going on this week. How are yeah, you? Not, not me, Bob. I'm concerned about Maryland Rutgers. So I'm celebrating that. <laughs> uh, I'm not, I'm just going to throw out a big picture viewpoint of this thing, because I don't think this part will change by the time this right. goes up. I don't understand how, and we, I, I think we all get along pretty well with Franklin. I enjoy having him uh, to talk to. I think he's respectful. I think he's uh, he's not somebody. You do a nice I, impersonation of him. You do a pretty good impersonation of him. Yeah, I'm sure. working on the impersonation. So, so it's not that. But I don't understand how this is. It's a statement on where college football is that he continues to hold Penn State hostage for more money, more facilities, more whatever. After basically going 11 and nine in the last two years. And I got to, I got to give uh, Corey Geiger actually credit for writing a really good column on this last night before I wrote it. I mean, I would have written exactly what he wrote because it's true. Uh, I read it this morning and I was like, geez, you know, this is exactly how I feel about it because it's not like we don't value him as somebody who, who I can think can ex- express himself extemporaneously. Who's easy to deal with who treats people with respect. But I mean, fans are like, what is wrong with this picture? And I understand it. How, how is it that a guy can perform, underperform, his team underperformed this much in two years, and he's angling for more leverage, a greater contract? I, I still am mystified about, well, I'm not mystified because I expected it. That's the, the state of college football right now. But the bigger picture is, do you remember last year at this time when all these athletic directors were talking about how much of the hundreds of millions of dollars lost because of COVID? What happened to that? 
What happened to that exactly? <laughs> what happened to all, all this? Oh, what are we going to do? You know, the crocodile <laughs> tears about not enough money. Oh, there seems to be enough money all of a sudden. You know, you're talking about Mel Tucker with a $90 million contract and, and whatever uh, this turns out to be at Penn State. You know, I said then and I say now it's all BS. It really is. There, there's so much money in this business. And, and the other thing is NIL was going to ruin NIL freedom for players. That's ah, going to ruin the college game. Has there been even have you noticed any problem with NIL at all? Is this, has this has this taken any of the fun? It never was going to take any funding out of the programs. Right. It's simply putting some of this huge, huge stockpile of cash in the pockets of the people who actually are the product, the players. Has anyone talked about how how NIL freedom has ruined the college game? No. And this this is where we are in college football. So there, I got that off my chest, which has nothing to do with Michigan State, but I'm sorry. (laughs) You know, like like you said, Dave, this is the first of two podcasts we're going to do. And like you did say, it's it's about 2.15 on Tuesday. He talked from 12.30 to a little after 1.00. Um, there's supposed to be a, uh, a meeting at Penn State a little bit later today to approve some things. A meeting's been called. Um, and James did say that <laughs> he expects, I think he, I think he is going to maybe address this a little bit uh, more in detail after Wednesday's practice. Who knows? He told us on Saturday he was going to have something to say on Tuesday. But I think what Dave and I are trying to say is there should be some form of news, good or bad, about his future, you know, by Thanksgiving. <laughs> but we're just not really prepared to, to kind of we don't want to speculate. So once, I've, once I've, we do have the news, we're gonna we'll we'll talk about it. I've made my prediction and maybe I'll be wrong and I'll admit I was wrong if it turns out I am wrong. But I don't think he's going to commit until after Michigan State. No, we'll see. We will yeah. see. Because I think it can smell a wind. So, so let's get into Michigan State here. First, uh, there, he had some, some, some things to say about the flu, that uh, 35 guys had the flu. With a funny, the, one funny thing he said is that four team of, of them tried to play. Play through. And they all thought they were going to be Michael Jordan in the flu game in game five of the 97 uh, finals yeah. in Salt Lake City. And it, it didn't turn out that way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It, it, like Sean uh, Clifford tried to give it a go. Caden yeah. Wallace tried to give it a go. Probably yeah. some others did. And it just, hey, the, the, the flu is no joke. And I thought I did find it a little bit interesting, Dave. Maybe you didn't. But um, his thoughts on a lot of players just don't have flu shots. Um, yeah, because he, they're, they're, they're a little bit fatigued of getting yeah. shots. Well, I got my flu shot, man. I'm an old man. Kids yeah. don't think they have to worry about it. And I don't know how you were when you were 22, but you would, you know, if your mom yeah. told you, yeah, to a flu shot, and I don't need a flu shot. And then you got the flu and you were absolutely miserable. Hey, yeah. <laughs> Once you go through it, he said, now that these guys went through it, maybe they have a different uh, outlook on flu shots. And he thinks that will mitigate the uh, problem next, next fall. Yeah. 35 guys in all 21 missed the game. 14 tried to play through it. Not all of them did. He did say a lot of those guys, including Sean Clifford, are playing, are feeling a lot better. He also said since that day, since Saturday, some other players are now dealing with it. He said it's usually about a three-day process, give or take, depending on how they respond to the IVs. But, you know, it is 
You just wonder, you know, I don't know about you, Dave, but just because you're over the flu doesn't it doesn't necessarily mean your body is completely 100 percent, even though you're feeling better. You just wonder if there'll be any lingering effects. You know, that is that's a pretty I can't ever remember. I never remember a Penn State team that had to had the flu this bad. Do you? Well, as far as a percentage of guys from a team. No, in football, usually it happens more in basketball because you only have like eight guys who are real yeah. contributors a lot of times. And if five of them <laughs> go down, it's big trouble. I mean, that's most of your team. And then you've got and then you got trouble. This, this was pretty bad for a football team. Um, also, he said that, that Clifford was not feeling great on Sunday, but was better on Monday yeah. and is back to normal today. So I think we can count on him starting uh, in East Lansing on Saturday. Uh, that's probably good news that they have two guys now. For the first time this year, they have two dependable quarterbacks. I think it would have been a little bit interesting to me just to see what, because like he, he even said what you said on Saturday, Dave. He said, don't, I wouldn't necessarily trust the starting lineup that they had on the video board. And they were legitimately preparing to have Mason Stahl be the guy. Uh, against Rutgers I just would have I was would have been curious to see that just to see compare that experience to maybe uh you know even though it was a home game and uh Taekwon was was on the road at Iowa and it's two different environments two, I was two, two completely to see how that see how that two completely out completely different environments yeah. and they you probably could have done fine against Rutgers it's Rutgers did you hear that he <laughs> he said the one drive that Temple had in the game he yeah. he called Rutgers Temple he's doing yeah. it again yeah, boy, that's a that's a that's an indictment, huh? <laughs> yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's just uh, he's not that good with his memories. Hasn't been that great this year either. Dave. Yeah, you think he's distracted by something? <laughs> do you want to just talk at all? Do you have any thoughts at all? I know you touched upon it a little bit and how it's uh, BS, but his answers about the facilities and how they're behind and they didn't pay attention to it. It just seems to be. A deflection on his it's point. Disingenuous is what it is. Yeah, uh, it's it's. Did, was the Illinois game lost because they didn't have mood lighting in their locker room? <laughs> what, was is that is that what happened there? Come on, you know. I, is I, that I, why Chase Brown now has the has the Beaver Stadium record for most rushing yards <laughs> against a Penn State team? That's just no. unbelievable. No, they didn't have enough nutrition to beat Illinois. No, I don't think so. It I was mean, a smoothie issue, Dave. Otherwise, they were going away. <laughs> the smoothie issue. You know what's you, funny, Dave? I, I was thinking about that, and I want to just I want to tie it in because I I enjoyed it, but uh, I I enjoyed seeing Matt Millen on Saturday before the game. He was spending some time talking to you, Matt. You know the Penn State great called the did did the uh, color for the big 10 network game. And I, w- what we're just talking about now with facilities and, and nutrition, I always just harken back to the days that Matt was at Penn state <laughs> and the facilities there. And he probably just, his diet probably was just cheeseburgers. And I just wonder what he hears <laughs> stuff like this, what he really thinks. Yeah. And I mean, that was the most badass defense in Penn state history. <laughs> Are we wrong? 1978 in the conversation, man. Yeah. In the 1978, when they, they 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 went up against Alabama at the end, and they were that close. <laughs> That's got to be in the conversation from the the nastiest defense in the history of the program. It, yeah, did, do you think they had smoothie bars in that program? <laughs> he wouldn't yeah. have tried, he wouldn't have drank one. He would have yeah. had milk and cheeseburgers. I guarantee you. <laughs> 
Yeah, by the way, Matt. Girls with cinder blocks instead of like weight. Yeah, yeah. That's the age we're in, man. We're 40 years down the line and nothing's the same. So you got to compete the way you got to compete. So I, as Franco would say, I get it. I I understand (laughs) that. But but come on, uh, don't. You, you don't need this. His problem is player development. I think they're getting adequate, adequate recruits. You could argue that they haven't recruited offensive tackles, would you say, or if, if you had to isolate one or two positions. The offensive line this year, just it stands out. It sticks out like a sore, thr- sore thumb, Dave. And the thing that's really just – it vexes me. I'm going to use that word. They were able to run the ball when they wanted to last year. They were able to run the ball with Journey Brown in 2019 down the stretch. Um, So part of it might just be uh, the running backs are just kind of maybe one dimensional and not necessarily athletically uh, gifted. But the other part is I just, you know, a lot of these, a, a couple of these running backs were able to run the ball awfully well last year. And that was pretty much the same offensive line. So I just, I mean, you, you just wonder what has changed. They got a new offensive coordinator, obviously, but I just wonder about what, in terms of technique and strength training and all that, what's going on up front with that offensive line. I just can't, it's, well, it's very my, puzzling to me. My point is if you, if you were going to isolate any position that they yeah. haven't recruited adequately, that might be the only one, right? Offensive tackle. They, They've got guards. They've got. A, they've had decent centers, and they've had every other position: corners, safeties, yeah. linebackers, certainly defensive linemen of all stripe, quarterbacks, running backs. Wideouts have been a problem lately, but not so much now. Pretty yeah. good. The only position they haven't recruited adequately is offensive tackle. So, is is the problem recruiting? Is the problem that they don't have enough bills and whistles in their pitch to recruit good good enough players to win? I don't yes. think so. The problem is development. And this is not going to help that. Whatever right. he gets out of this thrust for more money, more facilities, more, you know, different colors for uh for 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 the nameplates on the lockers. I mean, Jesus. I mean, it's 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 it, to me, I understand the way fans must feel at this point, but, but you're trying to recruit kids who are so they're, they're so enraptured by shiny objects and they are because that's the age that we're in. So he's got to be, he has to be expedient and he has to do whatever works. So I guess, I guess he understand, but, but still, I just can't, I can't get into it anyway. Enough of that crap. This is the blue white breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Visit us at cureleaf.com or stop in to see us at any of our 12 locations. Let's talk medical marijuana and let our confidence become yours. You know, when we talk about Michigan State and this challenge, uh, Michigan State doesn't look nearly as formidable, Dave. And you talk, you were talking about it yesterday with me because of some issues with them. Uh, and they're coming off just, uh, just, just, just got overwhelmed by Ohio State's offense. And they have some injury issues. And you just wonder, um, you know, 
Uh, eight and four is 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 certainly certainly possible now for Penn State, which is about where maybe some people thought they were going to be at the beginning of the year. It's just been a weird year. Yeah, um, we we talked about that Ohio State game, and I, I had I had to take the opportunity to mention all the the various the five upsets of Ohio State by Michigan State when they were in this position. Well not really expecting it to happen at all. I thought the game would be something like 60 to 35. I did yeah. not think that Michigan state uh, would, would be so stoned on offense. So that was kind of a surprise, but there's no way you didn't, you, you weren't surprised that you were surprised about Michigan state. Their secondary is, is historically bad. Uh, they are up to 361 yards per game passing allowed. Have you? I don't. I have. I still have not gotten from team rankings an answer on whether that's an NCA record. And the NCA stats are so skewed, you can't even find that stat. But it might yeah. be an NCA record with one game to go. Three sixty-one yeah. yards passing allowed per game. I mean, that's that's insane, and it's forty more than anybody else in college football. Um, Duke is is second with three twenty-nine. I think it is three three nineteen. And I asked Ben Jones, I think I asked if whether you just go at that secondary or you stick with your game plan. Franklin said you stick with your game plan. You don't want to get too skewed, which I kind of agree with because you can do a lot of things on that defense. Offense is what they do well. Peyton Thorne, um, Naylor and Reed and the, the wideouts and a really good running back and Kenny Kenneth Walker. So that's what Penn State, Penn State, it kind of works to their strength too, because I think they can handle Michigan State's offense. So suddenly you've got a, a very strange dynamic going where Michigan State, after getting firebombed like that, psychologically, this is what I asked Franklin because all my questions were eaten up by the time I got to, to mine with about the seventh question, which I, you know, I wanted to ask him about this contract and all this crap too. Um, but he stonewalled it anyway. But I said, do you, what do you, what have you done? I mean, they had a couple of games at Michigan where they were beaten that way. What do you do? Do yeah. you have their ears more than you would have after a game like that? Or are you just preoccupied with building them up psychologically after getting a KO? I mean, that's like a Tyson KO in a situation like that. And you may have to, he said, it's a, it's a challenge. And I think it, it is going to be a challenge for Mel Tucker because this, something like that after, a season like this yeah. after nine and one, that doesn't happen very often where a team just gets obliterated in week 12. It doesn't happen very often. It's a real challenge for Mel Tucker. Plus he's got his own contract noise going on with supposedly getting a, a 10 year, $90 million contract offered to him. So there's a lot going on. Dave, if you, this is the thing that's even more amazing about the past defense in Michigan state. If you take, C.J. Stroud out of the equation, and yes, he did. Was like thirty-two of thirty-five, whatever it was. There's no other good quarterbacks in the Big Ten, and they've given up all these yards to. It's not a quarterback league. I mean, it's not like they are sophisticated passing offenses, and they're just getting trampled. <laughs> McNamara <laughs> threw for seven hundred yards. I think. They may, yeah, I was going to say they made Caden McNamara look like uh, 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 you know. Some, we saw some him against Penn State. He's okay. They just run crossing routes. That's yeah, all they it was did. Like, it, was, it was like B, BYU. I mean, he had what did he have? 375 against Michigan State? Something I like think that. at least, yeah. yeah. Like something career, like that. Career day. <laughs> um, 
they had a situation where I thought, did you did you go back and watch the Ohio State tape of Michigan I did. State? I did. I just didn't have time. Sorry. Well, I didn't. I did because I have to for the power poll. And um, their DC Scotty Hazelton, I didn't think he really. I think in their situation, you got to absolutely sell out on blitzes, weird blitzes from weird angles, send a corner at Stroud, do anything to hit him. And they didn't do that. They kind of played vanilla. They, yeah. they blitzed six one time and went up the middle, and Ohio State's offensive line gummed that up. And, man, you can't give Stroud a chance. Even Clifford <laughs> can do. If, right. if you don't pressure Clifford, Clifford can do with his wideouts, even, even with Dotson and Washington and Lambert Smith, yeah. something like what Ohio State did. So given that, that, that Clifford's been hurt, I would expect what we, we thought Rutgers would do is to throw the kitchen sink at Clifford and try to get to him because this secondary is untenable. I mean, they're, they're just really, really bad, really bad. Dave, uh, just I, Rutgers, obviously not representative of a quality program at this point when Penn State plays them. But what did you just think of physically they use effort against them? I know that um, they're, they're by no means a formidable foe and that he did get them at home. Um, what did you think what you saw? Maybe arm strength. Um, it looked like he certainly had plenty of uh Gumption. He was courageous. He was unafraid to run the ball. He's a big kid. I didn't realize how big he was until when we were waiting for uh, some interviews uh, after the game. He ran out onto the field to talk to some people. He, he looks slender from the press box, but he's a little bit bigger than I realized. Well, first of all, and I had the lead written before I even went down for question. And then Franklin pretty much read my lead out loud because it's true. I was talking to you and, and talking to Rich Scarcella. Um, Rich. Yeah. Rich before the game, he was like, you know, and I knew the question. That was the question I was going to ask because I knew the fans would want to know it. Why wasn't Bayou the second string quarterback back for Iowa? Well, who's to say what would have happened if Bayou goes in in Iowa City? You're talking about of all the possible situations, venue, time of the year, uh, opponent, it, it could not have been a greater difference between playing Rutgers in a no consequences game right. in the third week of November and playing Iowa in an all consequences game in Iowa City, in Kinnick, in front of those drunken farmers. Um, <laughs> it, 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 it could not have been a more stark difference. So who's to say if Veyu wouldn't have yeah. done what Roberson did? You, right. you can't even say that. That given... I thought Veyu looked really good. I mean, he he needed a couple series to get going. But I talked to Dotson after the game, and we all did about his demeanor. I said, you know, if you look in somebody's eyes, sometimes it's I, I think it's fun to watch kickers, place kickers during games, where if you get a, a tight shot or or free throw shooters, free throw shooters, if you get a tight shot of their eyes, you can see kids who believe they're going to succeed. And I asked Dotson if he, he got a look in Bayou's eyes to see what his demeanor is like. He goes, it wasn't even a question for me because we know that he has a, a great sort of confidence and demeanor. We knew that ahead of time. I didn't even have to look, which I, and he, he's, he answered that right away, which meant I, I thought he was not BSing that that's the way he really yeah. thought. So that's, that's a good spot to begin with. Uh, but again, Bayou had a, a chance to, stick a toe in the water of the baby pool 
while, you know, Roberson was thrown off the deck of a tanker in the middle of the Pacific. It's not the same thing at all. Just being the difference between number two and number three on the depth chart really impacts your ability, I think, to develop because the number three guy is, is, I don't want to say he's an afterthought. James said like Sunday scrimmages really helped him get up, but you know, you just don't get any looks with the first team guys. You know, you're just kind of standing around. I think a lot at practice, he didn't play in 2020 because his school, uh, because of the COVID year. So he's a January enrollee, but he's, He's very raw. And, you know, Mike Yersich is tasked with improving Sean Clifford, you know, and that's his priority. And he's putting in his offense. He doesn't know what he has in Roberson other than the fact that he's been here longer than they used. So I can almost see why it was it was Roberson, not they in the Iowa game. But I think if there's one blessing, it's then Penn State kind of found out. I think that they saw they saw Roberson a little bit. I know it was a, it was a hectic environment a tough task, but I, I think they got a better read on what maybe his upside was. And, and I think they, they committed a little bit more to Veyu, uh on the practice field after that. I'll reserve judgment because I'll give you another example. As you remember, Trace McSorley against Georgia yep. in, the, in the Gator Bowl, uh, that was a legit defense. That yep. was, and you saw a thing in that kid right away. Uh, I would rather see a step up in competition before we say uh, this, this, this kid has what it Yeah, does. yeah. No, what, but I'm just saying that I think they begin to ramp up Veyu after the Iowa game yeah, just to yeah, see what they have in him. That's I what I mean. Yeah, I, yeah. I know that maybe if he, if he plays a Michigan team or a Wisconsin team, it's probably not going to go very well for him. But I just – I think they, they learn things. They, they learn something about Taekwon. And they they were probably intrigued by his uh, value skill set, and they're like, "Well, let's give him, let's give him a little rope and see what he can do." Yeah, I think one thing to watch for is the bowl game, and yeah. a lot of bowl games. Paterno used to do this. Other many other coaches have done this. You throw in the backup in meaningful minutes, in the, especially in a bowl game like Vegas or Nashville or wherever the hell they're going. You can throw in the backup in meaningful minutes and see what he does. I think we should, we will probably see that. And you don't know what Clifford's going to do, but we've talked about that before. It's probably better that Clifford move on. So if they have any inkling that he will, why not give Veyu a real shot in that bowl game? Maybe not at Michigan State, but certainly in the bowl game. Yeah. Uh, so let's wrap up this blue white breakdown podcast with this. Uh, we're going to have another one. We're going to make some game picks, but we're also hopefully, uh, depending on how the rest of Tuesday shakes out, we might be able to talk a little bit more about James, what he's going to do, where he's headed, uh, what 2022 looks like. Then again, maybe we won't, but we just can't. We just can't. There was nothing concrete that came out of uh, his news conference today. So we're just going to wait. Put it this way. I will not be surprised if nothing is concrete, even through Wednesday. <laughs> so, so if I'm wrong, then I'm wrong. Right. You're probably right on this one because these things do tend to drag out. They always do. We'll see you guys. We'll see you guys a little bit later. And who knows what we're going to be talking about. This has been the Blue White Breakdown brought to you by Live. 